Okay. All right. A few things to get through this morning, so I'm going to we move quickly. Uh, last Sunday was Count Me In Sunday, and we had a great day in church. And um, I want to uh, thank everyone that, that gave, everyone that put their hand up to volunteer and to serve and to be involved. Just want to let you know that if you were not here last Sunday, it is not too late. You can grab a, a Count Me In pack. We've got them available at the info desk today, and you can grab all the information that was in there. We talked about ways that you can serve across the life of the church and all the different things that we can be involved in serving in. And we also talked about all the different ways that you can give, whether it be to the building, whether it be to vision, or whether it be to real care. And so many of you have given this week already, and so many of you have already said, hey, it's on its way. So thank you, church. Your response was was incredible. And um, we're well on our way to achieving the things that we want to do. I wanted to uh, show you some pictures, if I can. Gary sent these through to me this week. If we can show the, um, the pictures from Liberty for the Nations in Vanuatu. They do a, a great work over there. And this is their, uh, their nutrition centre. Did I get that right? Where they feed um, the, the kids before school each day. I think they give them one meal a day, Gary. Yeah, one meal a day. And I know that Gaz is great at sourcing cheap stuff. And so he's always... I had, had lunch with um, Steve Blake this week and he just said, Gary is unbelievable at either getting me free stuff or ridiculously cheap stuff that we can ship over there to help feed these children. So that's some of the work that Liberty does and we give to them out of our vision money or our real care money in the past. So when you give to vision and we said Liberty's part of the work, that's some of the work that Liberty does in Vanuatu that we as a church are giving into and are supporting. So well done, church. Um, in the foyer today, like I said, you can grab a Count Me In pack if you missed last Sunday. And I know many of you said, um, we just need some time. We bombarded you with information over the last two weeks and we apologise. Sorry, not sorry for that. But some of you just needed some time to decide what you want to give to and also decide where you wanted to volunteer and serve and be involved in. So if you took a Count Me In pack home last Sunday and you want to hand it back in today, you can do that at the info desk and there'll be a space for you to do that in the foyer as well where you can uh, be counted in. So if you missed last week, it is not too late and the next few weeks there'll still be an opportunity to put those forms in or to grab one of those packs and discover how you can be a part of what God is doing here and, and playing your role and um, that would be great. Okay, so I preached um, this message that I'm preaching today in 2010, so seven years ago. And a, a month ago, I preached it at another church. I, um, I pulled it off out of the, the archives and felt to preach it again. But while I was preaching it, I actually started to get um, fresh insights or, or new um, perspectives on the, the passage that we're going to look at. So this week, I rewrote the message and re, um, re-looked into it. Uh, it's not just a copy and paste, hand on my heart, I promise you, busy pastor. It wasn't one of those. It was one, I've done them before, let's be honest. But it was one where I just felt to rewrite something that I, I shared seven years ago. So I rewrote it this week, and the message is called Stuck. If we could have the first picture up there, please. All right. I have no idea how that could happen. Maybe you could tell me, but that cow is definitely stuck. If we could have the next picture, please. Has anyone been forward driving and been stuck in mud ever? It's fun, isn't it, Craig? It, it is fun, but um, 
one day we were up at my parents' place at Nambucca with all of my family and we packed up our car and we were ready to head back home to come back to Newcastle. And my brother, brother and my brother-in-law said, let's go for a surf because it's been really good. And so I said to Loz, I know we're packed up and ready to come home, but do you reckon I could go just have this one quick surf? Be really quick. As soon as we get back, I'd, I'd never get to surf with my family, you know, put the guilt on and all that. And um, would it be okay? He said, yeah, go for it. So I went and had this surf. Um, it was pretty good. I don't remember what the surf was like, to be honest, but I remember on the way home, we were going through the national forest up there, and my brother-in-law said, oh, we're going to take this shortcut, <laughs> and you know where this story is going. Um, and so this shortcut was short by distance, but the problem was that there was mud everywhere, and even though we were in four-wheel drives, within a uh, five minutes of being down this truck, there was a big puddle ahead, and we'd been through a few already, and we thought, oh, we can take it. And as we got through it, halfway through, we just got stuck. The um, rear left wheel was just completely underneath and bogged. And we were there for hours. We were, had another four drive trying to get us out. That didn't work. We ended up eventually getting two or three other cars to pull us out and dig ourselves out. We were covered in mud. We came back to the house. And that was a very quiet drive home <laughs> to Newcastle that day. I did not make any eye contact with the passenger side. And the reason I remember it, because it was the only time Loz has ever been upset with me in our marriage in 15 years. So, that's a lie. But I had great intentions that day. We, we knew where we wanted to go, but we got stuck. We were hopelessly stuck in mud. And it wasn't a fun story. Is there anyone here that's still honouring or still committing their New Year's resolution? I can't see any hands, maybe because it's dark. Oh, there's one over there. That's very good. I used to have this New Year's resolution every year that in January every day I would do 10 sit-ups and 10 push-ups. And then February would go to 20 and 20. March would go to 30 and 30. April, 40 and 40. The furthest I ever got was April. I did it three years in a row and I'm not a proud to say I don't do that anymore. It's, this is just all natural. Um, <laughs> But I tried to do something. I had a good intention. I had a plan. I had a goal. I had a desire. But I was not able to finish what I had started. How many of you have got a project at your home that is unfinished right now? There's a few husbands avoiding eye contact with their wives as we speak. See, most of us can start new things. Most of us can make a decision that we want to change our life. Most of us can go, I want to do this. I want to um, do less of that. I want to do more of this. I want to spend more time doing that. I want to head over in that direction. Most of us can start things, but it's sticking to it that's hard work. It's finishing what we start that seems to be harder for most people. As a pastor, in particular as a youth pastor, I've seen many people get on fire for God. They come home from a camp or they come home from a conference. But sadly, fewer people stay on fire for God. Most people can light a fire, can't they, Steve King? <laughs> Who was at camp? We had a good fire there. But it takes a skill. It takes more effort to keep that fire going. Because you can't just use the initial burst of energy, but you have to keep fueling the fire to keep it burning. I wonder how many of us have got things in our life that we started doing, but we're no longer doing. How many of us have intentions of changing something or doing something different? And we still want to do them, but if we're honest with ourselves, we're not doing them. See, I still wanted to do the sit-ups and the push-ups, but for whatever reason, they just stopped happening. 
I got stuck in my goal. I got a little bit sidetracked. I got whatever it was, the reasons, stopped doing it. Whether it be diet or exercise. I know when um, Craig preached in January, he challenged some of you about reading the Bible, setting a goal to read the, the Word of God daily. I wonder how many of us are still going in that, that goal that we've given ourselves. We set out to change a behaviour. We set out to study again or to change a career or to renovate a house or to start a new ministry or a program or to reach our friends and our neighbours for Jesus. And we make these great goals and these great intentions. But I wonder if we're honest with ourselves, how many of us have got things in our life that are unfinished? How many of us have got goals or, or things we set out to do? And if we're honest, we're not there. We still want to be. And maybe we feel a little bit stuck. Maybe we feel a little bit sidetracked. Maybe for whatever reason, we're not, just, we're not heading there anymore. Maybe we've forgotten about it completely. We've given up on it completely. Whatever your story is, whatever your reason is, my prayer for this morning is that we would not get stuck in our pursuit of the things that God has called us to do. And if we are stuck, that this morning, supernaturally, we'll become unstuck so that we can move on to the things God has called us to do. As we read this passage this morning, I, I pray that it encourages us but also challenges us to move on to the goals that God has set before us. Because God does give us um, callings. God does ask us to change things, to move forward in things. And I believe as a church we want to be a people that responds and not get stuck along the way. So we're going to move to Genesis chapter 11 this morning and we're going to read verse 31 and 32 says this, we've got the slide there, yeah. One day Terah took his son Abram, his daughter-in-law Sarai, which is his son Abram's wife, and his grandson Lot, spelt L-O-T, not two T's. So we no longer will refer to my wife as Lot's wife, okay? It's just not on. <laughs> it's, a, it's a bad dad joke and it's been done too many times. Anyway, one Lot, not two. His son Haran's child and moved away from Ur of the Chandelines. He was headed for the land of Canaan, but they stopped at Haran and they settled there. Terah lived for 205 years and died while still in Haran. So Terah sets out on this journey. He starts something new. He begins. It says that he was headed for the land of Canaan. It doesn't say why Terah is headed for Canaan. Maybe he's had enough of the place he's living in. Maybe God spoke to him. Maybe he saw opportunities in Canaan that he couldn't see for his family where he was. We don't know why that he left, but we do know that he did. It says that he began his journey, but it says he stopped in a place called Haran. It says he settled there and he lived there for 205 years before dying in that place. He never reached the land of Canaan. He never reached his destination or his goal. He started out, but he got stuck along the way. Can you put the map up, please, guys, that show this just where it is? on the world so they're down in the bottom right hand corner and they follow the river the Euphrates river because that's the route that you go that way if you were to go straight across to Canaan you'd be going through the desert so they follow the river up north and they get to this land this town called Haran and that's where they stop it's roughly halfway through their journey they're, they're heading somewhere but they don't make it all the way to me, this is an incredibly sad story because the land of Canaan to the Israelite people is later known as the promised land. It's land, a land of promise, a land of prosperity. And maybe Terah saw some of that promise and saw what was there, but he never got there. He never made it to the place that he was headed because he stopped in Haran. I don't know. I know I don't want to be like Terah. 
I don't want to finish my life aiming for something but never getting there. I don't want to be a person that starts projects and doesn't finish them. I don't want to be a person that responds to the call of God for a year or two or even three or four but then gives up on it because I don't see it happening the way I thought it was going to happen. But I want to be a person that finishes the things that God calls me to. When I say I want to start something, I not only want to start it, but I also want to finish it. I want to share with us this morning two things that I believe caused Tara to get stuck, and they're two things that we need to avoid if we're going to follow the pursuit or the call of God on our life. And the first thing is this. There's something about, about Haran. Go back to verses 27 to 28 in this story, and it reads this. This is the account of Terah's family. Terah was the father of Abram, Nahor, and Haran. And Haran was the father of Lot. But Haran died in Ur, the land of the Chandelines, the land of his birth, while his father Terah was still living. If you can show the family tree, the next slide, please. It shows you that Terah is the dad and he has three boys, Abram, Haran, Nahor. They were great wrestlers. There was always trouble in that household. Penny, that was a family table that was noisy and full of life, just like you described in communion this morning. And Haran has a son called Lot. And so there's the family tree as described in these few verses. But it says there that one of the boys, Haran, dies. Now I can't imagine what it would be like to lose a child. I've got three children, and the very thought of losing a child um, messes me up. And there's people in this room that would have experienced the loss of a child. And I, I, I can't put myself in your position because I don't know what that would be like, other than extremely painful and extremely hard. I've been in hospitals where dads have said goodbye to their sons. I've been at funerals where parents have had to farewell a child. And just witnessing it, just even talking about it now makes me teary, let alone living through it. As a parent, you never expect to be burying one of your children. And I, 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 I don't want to push over this point without acknowledging that that pain is real and that hurt. And like I said, my heart, it, it does break if that's your life and that's your story. As I know, in a room this size, it will be. Tara has gone through this enormous pain. He's been through the pain of losing a son. And it's a pain and a grief that he would carry for the rest of his life. I've heard people say that when they've lost a loved one that you, you never really stop grieving for that loved one. Even if, you, if it's a, a, a husband or wife, even when, if you remarry, or even if you um, move away, or even if you have another child, all those things, you never stop having that space in your heart. And that, that's a normal, healthy thing. You're not supposed to get over it. And don't ever say that to someone going through that grief. I've learned that lesson. I, ne- I didn't say get over it, just let you know. But they've told me. I've, I've been friends with people who have lost a loved one and they've said, mate, some people say some stupid things to me. And I go, yeah, I can imagine. But anyway, sidetracked. Terah's been through a huge loss. But now he's headed for the land of Canaan. And he comes to the town of Haran. He comes to the town with the very same name as the son that he has lost. A town that reminds him of the son. There's something about that name that would trigger some emotions. Do you know the name Haran as in the place, the town? This is what it means. It means a hill or a mountain. And if you're going to get to the place God's called you to go, there are going to be hills and mountains and obstacles 
along the way. And so many people let those mountains and those hills and those obstacles stop them from reaching the place God wants them to be. But there are mountains and there are hills in our journey. That doesn't mean that we're out of the will of God. Sometimes it means we're exactly where God wants us to be because we need to push through those places. So Haran, the city, means a hill or a mountain. But Haran, the name, as in a person's name, if you're going to name your child Haran, it means mountaineer. It means mountain climber. Haran is encountering a mountain, if you like, without his mountain climber. He's encountering an obstacle without his son. He's encountering a place that reminds him of a loss, of a deep hurt. I imagine that being in that place would have triggered some raw emotions in Tara and his family. Being in that place reminds them of the son, the brother and the father that they have lost. You know, in life you can, um, I don't know how long it was between losing his son and being in this town named after his son. I don't know how long of a period it was. But I know it would have been hard. I know it would have been painful. I know it would have triggered some raw emotion. And you know, in life, have you ever thought you're through something or you're through the worst of it and all of a sudden something happens and it triggers that emotion and it takes you straight back to that place? Have you ever experienced that? When I was um, just starting as the youth pastor, I was about 20 years old, I found out that my dad wasn't my biological father. And it was news to me that I had been told as a child, but I'd buried away and like... It didn't exist. So I was at 20, it was like I was finding out for the first time that dad wasn't my dad and that I don't know who my biological father is. And so I had all these questions and all this emotion and all this hurt to deal with. And I dealt with it and I got healing and people prayed for me and I had support and I felt like I was going really good. But you know, that was 17 years ago. And I guarantee you Father's Day will still be difficult. It'll still, sorry, even talking about it. See, I thought I was through it completely. But you get through stuff and something will happen and it'll trigger it and it'll take you straight back to that place. It reminds me, and it's, it's okay for that trigger. I don't think that's wrong for that trigger to happen because it's a natural, normal human thing to go through. When you're brought back to that place, you think you're through it and then you come back to it. See, most days I don't even think about it. But then all of a sudden a situation will happen and you're straight back to that place. All of us will have something like this at some stage in our life. We can't avoid it. Despite of our best efforts to heal and press on with life, there's always moments that take us back to those places. But it's what we do in those moments that determines whether or not we can continue on with what we are called to do or whether we get stuck in that place. See, for Tara and his family, Hayran represented one of those moments where the past was brought back, where the pain and the hurt was brought back to their memory. And it's in that place that you have a choice. It's in that place that you have a decision to make. Am I going to let that past hurt or that past loss or that past pain stop me from moving on to the thing God has called me to do? Or am I going to push through it I'm going to acknowledge that it hurts. I'm going to acknowledge that it happened, but I'm also going to acknowledge that I am a follower of Jesus Christ and I want to push on to the things that God has for me. So we read in verse 31, it says that they stopped at Haran and they settled there. 
I believe it was a very appropriate thing to stop in that town. You arrive in a town that's named after the son that you've lost. It's appropriate to stop there for a little while and to remember him and to talk about him and to celebrate his life. I think that is good and healthy and normal. What I think the danger is and the thing that stopped him was that he settled in Haran. See, it's okay to stop along your journey and have a breather and have a rest and reflect and celebrate those things. That's okay. But stopping there for good, settling there, that's the thing that I don't think we can do. See, I can't settle in my hurt and my disappointment. I can't settle in my grief and the things that I've lost. I've got to make a decision that, yes, they happen, and yes, I can be reminded of them, but I've got to move on with life because there's still more things that God wants to do. And that by moving on, you are not dishonoring and you are not dismissing the pain of what has happened. You are just choosing to keep moving forward. You are choosing that no matter what happens, you will continue to move on with what God has for you. So the stopping is fine. Reflecting is fine. Remembering is fine. But don't settle there. The mistake that he made was that he settled in Haran. Terah settled there. He lived there and eventually he died there. Do you know in the New Testament, the story of Terah living in Haran is, is described by Stephen, the, um, the preacher in the New Testament. He's talking about the history of the Israelite people. And he talks about this situation and he uses this word. The word that he uses is the word for lived is a word called I'm going to try and say it, and it'll probably sound Japanese when I say it. Kateko. Does it sound Japanese? Kateko. If I do it like that, it does. But the word is lived, and he says that Tera lived in Haran, and the word means this, to dwell, to reside, to settle down. Frequently, the word suggests more than the mere presence of or existence of a subject, but also the establishing of a connection between him and the site. So when it says that he lived in Haran, he really lived there. He made a connection. He put deep roots down in that place and he settled right in that place. Just like anyone that ever lives in the Hunter Valley, they might move away, but they will be back because they've made a connection to this area and this part of the earth. Isn't that right, Penny? They come back. Terah makes a connection so strong with the town of Haran that he never moves on from it and he fails to reach the place of his destination. He settled in the place that reminded him of what he lost and he never reached the place where he was headed. He never reached the promised land because he was too settled in the thing that he'd lost. Here's the sad and sobering truth though, church. The place where you settle is the place where you die. We can't afford to settle. If, what, if we want to reach the place that God is calling us to, then we can't afford to settle in our Haran. I wonder this morning, what's, what's the Haran for you? What's the thing in life that might trip you up? Maybe it's a past hurt or a grief or a loss. Maybe it's someone that's wronged you. Maybe it's a disappointment of a dream that didn't come to pass. I don't know what it is, but we will all have them. And I think the reason we settle in Haran is that we become familiar with it sometimes even comfortable with it. Do you know that even a place of hurt and pain can become a place of familiarity and comfort and you won't move on from it? We get so used to identifying ourselves a particular way that we can't ever see ourselves moving on from that place. It's actually easier to settle than it is to journey. So much easier if we stayed at home for the next six weeks, wouldn't it? It's a lot harder to journey. It's going to be fun journey though, but 
It's so much easier in life, in church, in your walk with God to settle, to get comfortable, even in a place of hurt and a place of grief. But we are not called to settle. We are not called to get comfortable. We are called to journey onto the things that God has called us to. You and I are not called to settle. You know, over the last month, I've been sharing about God doing a new thing. And I believe the word that he gave me for this year was the word second wind, which is a new energy to do what God has called us as a church to do. And that's what Count Me In Sunday last week was all about. I shared this scripture two weeks ago when I preached Mark 2.22. It says, No one puts new wine into old wineskins. For the wine would burst the wineskins, and the wine and the skins would both be lost. See, new wine calls for new wineskins. And this week I read this same passage of Scripture, but in a different gospel. I read it in the Gospel of Luke. And Luke 5.39 at the end of the passage says this verse, No one who drinks the old wine seems to want the new wine. The old is just fine, they say. See, as long as the old wine is just fine, you will never thirst for the new wine. As long as the old ways of doing things are just fine, you will never embrace the new way of doing things. As long as Haran is comfortable, you will never embrace the journey to Canaan. As long as the current reality is just fine or comfortable or you're settled here, you will never take in a step into the new things God has for you. And we need to do that, church. We need to say, hey, you know what? I was listening to a podcast this week and they were talking about when you've got stuff in your life that you don't want to do. And so until you start to actually hate the sin, not hate yourself, but hate the sin, you'll never be able to move on to it. You've got to have a, um, uh, I think Hybels calls it, a holy discontent with the current situation before you're prepared to change anything, before you're prepared to move on from that place. So for Tara and his family, they were too settled and they were too comfortable in that land and they never, he never moved on from that place because he settled there, he got comfortable there. I don't know about you, but I don't want to settle for a just fine life. I don't want to settle for just doing the thing that God did last year. I want the new, I want the thing that God's doing today. And I believe that we are called to do that. I believe that we should never get too comfortable or too settled that we won't move to the future God has planned for us. Let's keep reading, church, the next chapter, the next very verse. Terah has now died. And we read in Genesis 12, verse 1, it says this, The Lord had said to Abram, Leave your native country, your relatives, and your father's family, and go to the land that I will show you. I will make you into a great nation. I will bless you and make you famous, and you will be a blessing to others. I will bless those who bless you and curse those who treat you with contempt. All the families on the earth will be blessed through you. We read that God calls Abram, one of Terah's other sons, and calls him to leave where he is. He's called to leave his father's relatives and families and go to the land that God will show him. If you read on, you'll see that the land that God calls him to is the land Canaan, is the promised land. And Abraham obeys God and leaves Haran and goes to that place. See, he leaves behind what his father was unable to leave behind. God calls him to the promised land because his father started there but only got halfway. He goes on to become the father of the great nation. We sing the song, Father Abraham. It could have been Father Terah. It doesn't have the same ring about it, but it could have been. He goes to the promised land. He reaches the goal and the destination. And here's the thing, church, and here's the thing for your life. If you won't leave your hay run behind, then God's going to speak to the next generation. Our sons and our daughters, and he'll call them to do it. He'll call them to leave the place of comfort and the place of settlement and move on towards Canaan. If we don't do it, then he'll go to the next generation. 
Imagine how good this story could have been if three generations journeyed to the promised land together. Imagine if Terah went and Abram went and Lot went and three generations of this one family journeyed together into the place that God had called them. The sad thing is, is that the older generation missed out. The younger two generations went, but the oldest generation settled and died and didn't get to the place God had called them. Church, I want all the generations to go on this journey that God is calling us. I want all the generations to go deeper than we've gone before, to let all of us let our nets down and catch some fish, for all generations to operate in the second wind anointing. It's never about one particular generation. It's never just about the youth. It's never just about the young adults. It's never just about the kids. It's never just about the Gen Xs or the Ys or the baby boomers or any other generation. A healthy church, a strong church is when all the generations are committed together to going on the journey that God has called them. And don't think you're too young or you're too old or you're too this or you're too that to go to the place where God has called you. Church, God is calling us to a deeper place in a second wind anointing to go where we've never gone before. In your own personal life, He is calling you out of your place of comfort, out of your place of settlement, out of your place of hurt or grief and saying, come on, the land of Canaan, the promise is still ahead of you. Get out of your comfort zone and move on to the place that I am calling you because I am not finished with you yet. I am not done yet. Come on, church, all the generations together, serving the vision, serving God, believing that there is still more to come. You know, one thing I find incredibly interesting in this story, it says that Lot went with Abraham. If anyone has a valid reason for staying in Haran, it's Lot. His dad died when he was young. And now he's in a town named after his dad. I've got a dad's story and I can imagine what that hurt might have been like being in that town. Lot had a valid reason for staying in that place, but he chose not to. He chose to go with Abram, leaving behind the connection of that city. He was able to leave behind what Terah, his granddad, was unable to leave behind. See, both Lot and Abraham would always have the memory of Haran. They'd always remember the brother and the father that they had lost. And they'd always remember the time that they lived in the city that was named after their loved one. But they chose not to stay in that place. They chose not to dwell in that place. They chose not to get stuck in that place, but rather to move on to the things that God had for them. My question for you this morning, church, as we wrap up, Muse, as you can come, where are you right now? In your pursuit, in your desire to follow the will of God in your life, where are you? Are you still journeying or are you stuck along the way? Are there things in your journey that have tripped you up or caused you to get stuck? Maybe they remind you of a past hurt or a past pain. Or maybe you're just too comfortable and too settled. Whatever it is, I want to read you this scripture, last scripture for the day, Philippians 1.6. And I am certain that God, who began the good work within you, will continue his work until it is finally finished on the day when Christ Jesus returns. See, God is committed to finishing what he started in you. God gives you a dream, he also wants to give you the endurance to complete that dream. If God calls you to a new place, then he wants to empower you to reach that new place. He wants to do the work within you. And it's not by our might or our power, but it's by his Holy Spirit at work within us, enabling us to do the things God's called us to do. If you are stuck in any part of your world this morning, if you are unable to move on out of your hayride and towards the promises of God,
then I believe that this morning God wants you to move. God wants to move you, if you like. He wants you to respond to His call to journey again. Not to settle, not to be comfortable, but to journey on to the things God has called you to do. I'm going to ask everyone in this room to close their eyes. I want us to respect each other's privacy in this place. Because I believe there's people here this morning that feel stuck. You might think you're not stuck, but as I've spoken this morning, God's reminded you of some things that you're just unable to move past. And this morning, if you're stuck, but you feel God calling you to journey again, to move on again, to head towards the place God has called you, then I want you to do something. I want you to stand where you are and let your stand be that first step of moving out of Haran and onto the place where God has called you. It can be a big thing. It can be a little thing. And I want us just to stand right where we are. I'm standing now too. There's stuff in my life that I don't want to be stuck in, that I want to be free from, that I don't want to hold me back from the things God is calling me to. There's people standing across this room and I'm not going to bring you out the front. You're just staying where you are. But you are standing this morning as a declaration and that step to stand was a sign and intent that you're going to be a person that journeys on to the things God has called you to. And I want to pray for you that's standing this morning. God, I pray for that person, every single one of them. Pray that this morning, Lord God, they would have a determination in their heart, a will within their spirit that they will journey on. They will continue to take steps towards the goal and the dream that you have placed in their heart. The things and the desires that you've placed in their heart, they might not be there yet, but they've got a determination to get there. And if there's any area of their life that's causing them to be stuck, whether it's pain, whether it's hurt, whether it's just being comfortable or settled, God, I pray that Holy Spirit this morning, you would move them on from that place. God, your gentle Holy Spirit would move them on to the place where you have called them, to the place of the promise that you have for their life. God, I pray that as a church, we would never become stuck. We would never settle or say that the old is just fine, but we would always be hungry and thirsty for what you are doing today, what you are doing now. Holy Spirit, that we would be a church that always journeys on to the places that you have called us. We'd never settle or get comfortable. God, I pray for every person standing this morning. Pray that this week you would give them the courage to keep moving on, to keep pressing on to the things that you have for them. And that they would trust you, Lord God, that you could finish what you have started within them. God, I thank you for them. Amen. You can take a seat. Final response this morning, a final thing. The biggest key in life to progressing and continually moving on is to know the unstoppable God. This morning we sung Unstoppable God. His name goes on and on. If you want to be a person that moves forward, if you want to be a person that is able to not get stuck, then you need to know Jesus Christ. See, Jesus, God's one and only Son, He came to the earth. He lived for just over 30 years. He was crucified on a cross. He was put to death. It says that after three days, though, he rose from the dead and he's now seated with his Father in heaven. Because he didn't stay stuck in death, he moved on from that place. 
And because he did that, he's able to give us life and give us life to the full. By believing in him, we receive this life. By asking Jesus to be part of our lives, by having a relationship with him, we receive the life that he came to give us. And that is when we die, we don't stay stuck in death, but rather we live forever in heaven, in eternity with our God. If there's any area of your life this morning, maybe it's even your walk with God and you're just really stuck in your relationship with Him. Once you were on fire for God, once you were moving somewhere, but now you're just going through the motions. Now it's just routine. Now it's just comfortable. Or maybe you've never decided to invite Jesus into your heart. Then this morning, if everyone could close their eyes one more time, if you would like to invite Jesus into your world, or re-invite him back in because he once was part of your life, but you haven't been close with him, you haven't been in relationship with him. Then I want you just to raise your hand where you are. Just say, yeah, that's me this morning. You know what? I can't see you, so I'm not even going to know if you do it. You're telling God or you're telling our team. Just raising your hand and saying, that's me. I want to invite Jesus into my heart. I want to know who he is. I want to know this unstoppable God. God, we thank you that you didn't stop when you sent your son to the earth. And Jesus, you didn't stop when you went to that cross, but you finished what you came to do. And God, I thank you that you want to finish what you've started in us. For those of you that don't know you this morning, God, I pray that you would do a work in their heart where they could come to know who you are and the difference and the change you can make in their life. God, we thank you for your love and your unstoppable pursuit of loving us and championing us on. God, we give you all the glory and the praise this morning. In Jesus' name, amen.